Hey traders, welcome to the 34th episode of the Performante podcast. We want to thank you for joining us yet again on the 21st day of December for our daily dose of uh, crypto and crypto news. Talking a little bit more particular today about scammers. Uh, obviously, not a very positive topic, but I do think that we do need to address uh, some of the things that we are going to be talking about today. First off, we're going to be starting off with some ledger news, continuing the conversation that we've been talking about for the past couple episodes. Going on to one of the exchanges, kind of has a theme of the Quadra CX sort of vibe. We'll get into that. And then we'll look at Ripple. There is a clash action lawsuit. So, uh, again, uh, from the SEC. So, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Apple's pretty. Uh, I would say not innovative, but surprising leap into the EV space. And then we'll end off with some institutional news. So thank you again for joining us. And I'll pass it over on to Nathan to start off the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. The day is December 21st of the year 2020. Crazy just how year that just how fast this year has gone by. And just to add to this craziness is some update pertaining to the ledger hack. So we all know that Ledger suffered a hack in July where they said at the time that only 9,500 emails and phone numbers were taken. I even have that email in my inbox, but fast forward to December and it turns out that number was 272,000 people. Absolutely absurd. And that includes their name, their phone number, their address, so their physical location, their postal code, and uh, those are the primary uh, data that was stolen. And even better, it is being distributed on the dark web. And so I'm actually, you can download basically the data file of all of the information. I downloaded it, found my own name on it, found my own address on it, not a very good feeling. And I was also contacted by Ledger this morning saying my name was part of the leaked information. Basically what happened is that if you bought one of their products from their website, all of that data was taken. Your payment information was not taken because they do not store it, but all of the information required to complete the transaction was taken. And there's actually an interesting subreddit that has popped up. It's r slash ledger wallet leak. And that's where I found the file of the I guess individuals who were victimized by the hack. There's an entire directory of all of the information. And there is one really common theme that the victims of this data breach are claiming is that they are receiving emails, they are receiving text messages, and even some phone calls from individuals saying that unless they pay $500 in BTC to a certain address, they will have their head beaten in with a wrench which is super scary, super intimidating. This is an intimidation attempt. I doubt that in any instance, there is a real physical threat to anyone's safety. I can't guarantee that, of course. But I think given the context of how this hack is operating, they supplied a BTC address. They're looking for that intimidation factor for a quick 500 bucks. So if you are receiving any of these communications, A, let us know, because we just want to hear about it. We haven't heard anything ourselves in that form of contact. B, don't be scared. Hopefully you won't get your head bashed in by a wrench. If you are truly scared for your safety, I'd recommend contacting the police. B, 
because that's the best way to get down that road of ensuring your own physical safety. And C, don't send them Bitcoin because otherwise they'll probably just keep doing it to more people. So this ledger situation has gotten pretty out of hand, pretty messy, very quickly. And uh, I'd love to hear if anyone else listening to this podcast did get that email from Ledger saying your information has been stolen. Oddly enough, I actually got three emails from Ledger. The first was at 7 a.m., the second was at 10, and the third was at 11. And consequently, only two out of the three emails were real. One was an actual email saying your information has been stolen. The second was a follow-up email providing more information. And the third email was from legder.com. So it was an inverse swap of the G and the D name. And uh, it had a link to recover my account. So those scammers are using your emails to try and pose as Ledger, get you to click on some sketchy links and get you to lose your crypto. It's absolutely absurd the rate and the volume and the complexity that these fraudulent scammers are going through to try and fool people for their cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, so for anyone who is going through a challenging time, if they have a ledger, if they're worried, if they're scared, uh, like Nathan said, contacting the, contacting the police, really good idea, but also just having conversations with people who have suffered similar situations, I think is good as well. So uh, just want to say, if you are in that situation and do want someone to talk to, our Discord is a great place to uh, have friendly conversations, talk about issues related to crypto, even like personal things. Uh, we're really friendly, obviously, um, 100% up to you if you want to you know, present that discussion and talk to people. But uh, if you really need it, if you're on your, if you're down on your luck, we are here to have a conversation, try to make you feel better and, uh, you know, share the difficulties and pain together in this situation. So um, just wanted to point that out. So going on to another somewhat sad, or uh, it's pretty sad, it's, it's pretty savage and, and extremely it's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty brutal. Um, to be completely honest, I, I can't really put it into words. Uh, but another potential Quadra CX situation, if you do not remember, this Canadian exchange, it was a very large exchange. I don't know if it was um, like top five or anything, but the amount of people I got impacted was extremely significant. Like I even knew a couple people who reached out to me and said, um, you know, there is friends of friends who use that exchange, didn't have their life savings, but you know, had a decent amount and they got taken away and it's um it's something that you never want to see because this is an asset that is literally real estate digitally so when you get taken it away it, it's not like um i don't know i view bitcoin differently i literally view it as digital real estate so it's pretty sad but uh what happened was the quadra cx ceo went to the middle east um and apparently died of crohn's um which is basically literally dying of constipation or um, diarrhea just obviously Crohn's is worse but uh, not common that people die of Crohn's I don't even know if that's a thing or a possibility but a lot of people look at that and kind of call BS and um, I think that there is a right that people should be calling BS because it was super uh, untransparent as to where he went he was the only person that had access to the keys no one else in the entire organization had the keys to the wallet that stored the entire amount of BTC available in, in other cryptocurrencies. So 
it seems like a really fishy situation. And what we're seeing right here is kind of similar. Bitgrail is an exchange that recently got uh, bankrupt. It was around $120 million. Sorry, yeah, $145 million uh, that was actually hacked. And that's how it went bankrupt. So $120 million or 100 mil 120 million euros. And this situation in Bitgrail had around 230 users that lost their funds due to breaches. So um, obviously we don't exactly know just yet. We're coming up with the news right now, but the it Italian police are claiming today that the operator of Bitgrail was the actual individual who hacked into it and then stole the funds. So um, really savage, really brutal, really sinister. I, uh, it's pretty hard to put in words if you understand the severity of the situation and the backstabbing and the kind of uh, inhumane, like these are other people, right? Um, maybe he doesn't give a shit, but it's pretty hard to think of how someone could look in the mirror um, if they pull something like that off. But yeah, it happens. Stay safe. Definitely use exchanges that are common. I would say if you're anywhere other than the US, Binance is awesome, Coinbase, Binance US, uh, Bybit, you know, these are the types of exchanges that I would say are relatively safe. Um, but yeah, it, it's always going to be a risk to some degree. And then if you are just very, very risk averse, you can go on your ledger and then that information gets stolen too. So it's, it's a difficult situation right now, for sure. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a lose-lose, but ultimately this big grail owner, it's not clear if he failed to provide adequate levels of security after initially being hacked or if he was directly involved with the hacking. Either way, super sketchy news coming out of Ledger, coming out of Big Grail, and overall, sucks to say, but this is a FUD that kind of adds uncertainty to the market and makes investors question if this is a legitimate space to be operating in. And just to tack on to that, we are seeing a lawsuit from the SEC uh, against Ripple. Basically, this is pretty the highest profile lawsuit against a cryptocurrency company. The core idea is that they are not happy because of the way that XRP is being created to fund their other business operations and that kind of pseudo Ponzi scheme that is more or less happening in order to fund that international payment network that Ripple is so happy boasting about. And just because of, I mean, not because of this, but the news definitely tanked the asset a little bit. It looks like at the time the story broke, it fell just over 13% on the day, which is a pretty bearish impulse push. And I feel like this is not the kind of publicity that Ripple was looking for within the context of developing their projects, spreading the good word. It's quite the opposite. The SEC is not the person you kind of want to sue you. Yeah, very opposite. Um, pretty, pretty crazy, in my opinion, to think that they're suing the third largest uh, by market cap project, but not including Tether um, because that would be a stable coin, but pretty unbelievable. We'll see where it goes. Uh, XRP in terms of price action is dropping a little bit. It fell below a pretty strong level of support and since then has dropped around 15%.
But a lot of people are saying, oh my God, it's dropping. That's so sad. But if you're looking at it from context, in November 20th, the price was at 30 cents. Now it's at 48 cents. So if you're looking at it in terms of percentages, we're around 60% move to the upside still from the kind of late November time before the big pump. So if you're looking at it in terms of, yes, recent price action, it's a little bit bearish, but I think it's good to take a step back, look at the larger perspective, and uh, FUD could potentially create some really good opportunities if you are looking for continuation patterns because, yeah, this could be negative, but at the end of the day, um, it's worth what someone else is going to be paying for at a later point. And right now, I still think it's really bullish and the market is uh, not proving us wrong yet. So long till wrong. And although we are talking about this FUD, um, we just want to say that, um, yeah, BTC still looks pretty strong and we're not trying to be too bearish, um, but we do have to provide unbiased views of the market or we try to. And that's why we're bringing you some news that may be a little less bullish because we have been talking a lot about institutions. So, uh, to go over to a little bit less crypto, just I think pretty cool and interesting, Apple's actually going into the EV space and they're going to be coming out with a vehicle by 2024, some sources say. So uh, Nathan said that Amazon made one for just transportation. They're not like looking to uh, sell it to consumer yet, but... I do think a lot of people are looking at Tesla and getting a little bit jealous, seeing that massive disruption that they're able to create within the uh, EV space or just vehicles in general. And I think a lot of people are seeing that transition where there's now a lot of vehicles that are coming off the roads that are gas and a lot of cars are now getting on the roads that are EVs. And at a certain point, there's going to be a shift and we're going to be an EV world. Um, in my personal belief, it's just better for the environment. It's more efficient. It's more... Um, economical uh, to some degree you know if you're able to use other alternatives than oil oil is pretty hard to get off the get out of the ground so um, it will be an interesting situation for apple uh, obviously they've never uh, pursued this endeavor or anything close to it so um, yeah we'll see how it goes it's weird because i can perfectly imagine what kind of vehicle apple will create that's how strong of a brand they have yeah, 100%. I feel like they're titans of industry within that realm of aesthetic electronics that perform at the upper echelon, but break within two years, so you have to buy them again. <laughs> they, they have that perfectly uh, uh, cemented. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, they know their niche where it's like, hey, you're going to buy an iPhone every two years, right? That's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see what comes of this Apple electric vehicle, because I know that last year they acquired a ev startup the ev startup was a little bit different it was like a retrofitting company that could turn basically vehicles into autonomous vehicles so i guess not technically an ev startup it's called drive ai that's what it was and basically drive ai is a company that you that they are seeking to be able to retrofit any gas powered or electric vehicle so it can be self-driving which is pretty interesting. It'll be novel to see if they do implement that technology and they claim to have lithium iron phosphate batteries, which are allegedly safer than lithium ion batteries. So it seems like they do have some tech in the background that perhaps could, could merit a large market share. 
And at the end of the day, we know people love to buy overpriced Apple products. I'm a slave to Apple myself. I got the AirPods. I got the watch. I got the phone. I stick with Windows for a PC, but I got no problem throwing money at Tim Cook when he delivers those high quality products. <laughs> yeah, and there are millions of people just like that for sure. Hence the plus two million market cap. Uh, they make good products. You can't argue with it, right? Like, I think it's getting to a point where yes they're unbelievable products and there's other corporations and companies that make products that are similar but it's like a cult like following like when you see another person using apple you're like oh that dude knows compared to just like an average guy right like not everyone sees it like that but i definitely do think that they have like a mini cult or a certain group of their users who are like hardcore dedicated to the bone they will stick with apple through thick and thin which um i think every company kind of looks out for it and wants to have so they built a, a beast of a company and i think at this rate i don't know if they'll dominate the ev space but if they come up with something those fans will buy just because you know steve jobs once had his finger touch an apple product and everyone is absolutely obsessed because steve jobs is a pretty cool dude but uh he has the gift of the gods let's say <laughs> in terms of uh knowledge to some degree yeah, I feel like that's the best way to put it. Consumers are always going to eat up the uh, hottest electronics coming out of the Apple assembly line. And so just to switch the vibe back to crypto a little bit, we got some news coming out of JP Morgan. Uh, it is their belief, or some of their strategists, I guess let's say it, that they do not think that a Bitcoin retraction is very likely. They think that the price will continue in its uptrend there will continue to be an influx of long-term investors just because of this paradigm shift that we are seeing as a hedge to inflation, as that sound money concept. I think it's their opinion that as the big money's flowing into the space, there is going to be less and less and less selling interest because strong hands create bull markets and weak hands create bear markets. And I think at this point in time, as we're consolidating, forming that base above the previous all-time high, I don't think that there's many people who are currently holding Bitcoin that are like, yo, shit, Bitcoin's a scam. I got to sell it, dog. <laughs> so true. It's like, like all-time lows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we've passed that stage in the market. So like I said earlier, strong hands create bull markets. And I do not think that any of the institutions entering the space are going to be playing the market irrationally, dumping their positions just because they've entered the space so recently that many of them probably are not significantly in the profit. Or if they are in the negative, they're probably just looking to average in more. Another interesting observation kind of related to grayscale, just because JP Morgan was more or less measuring the grayscale inflow as a means of saying that the retraction in the market is not likely grayscale closed investment into their bitcoin their ethereum their ethereum classic their litecoin and their large cap fund uh, they closed it temporarily to investors which is super interesting because there's really only been one other time where we've seen a crypto service provider close their doors to new investors. And that was in the 2016 and 2017 bull run, but it wasn't institutions, it was retail investors. 
which is very interesting to kind of see that flip-flop happen where now it's institutions being like, yo, you got to take a breather. We can't sustain this buying volume. <laughs> yeah, you got to love seeing that, especially by institutions. At this point, if they're making moves like that, it's going to be pretty unbelievable when at a later point all the institutions are in and then the retail mom and pop guy who may not know much about crypto says hey you know what's this crypto thing why is it at $150,000 for one bitcoin um how can i get in kind of thing so it's it's a really cool thing in my opinion to see from 2016 2017 to now we saw exchanges there was basically not every single exchange, but it was very hard to open accounts. Um, like Nathan said, there was people asking me like, why can't I open a, a Binance or a Bittrex or like any of these accounts? And there was just too many people. Like there was like a crazy amount of people who were opening accounts every single day. But now we're not even really seeing like the Google trends with spikes in the interest in Google, right? A lot of this is institutions and it's kind of happening not in the background because we're covering it and it is headline news in some certain like crypto news and stuff like that but overall there's not a whole lot of attention on it in my opinion and i think it's extremely important to know when the shift of institutional money is obviously it is the biggest amount of capital that will be flowing into btc retail money is absolutely nothing compared to when the behemoths of institutional funds insurance funds sovereign wealth funds all these different funds are going to be putting money in btc right it's unfathomable the amount of money that could flow in if everyone is let's say diversifying with a one percent hedge of btc because the us dollar is plummeting if every single fund did that, I don't even know how much BTC would be. That's a lot of math and it could be done. But um, if you're looking at it as an asset class, if Bitcoin is digital gold 2.0, well, then look at looking at the market caps, right? $9 trillion for gold, $450, $444 billion for BTC. Pretty unbelievable. Lots and lots of, lots of room to grow. So... Um, I agree with JP Morgan and the fact that they're closing the funds for Grayscale to me just shows the level of demand and that's why we're only looking at continuation patterns and uh, primarily BTC right now. So really cool, interesting story. I thought that kind of sets off the rest of the podcast in a little bit more of a brighter mood. So uh, we are going to end off the podcast with a little bit more discussion on MicroStrategy because they have yet again bought the dip and proceeded to really invest $650 million more uh, to buy 29,646 more Bitcoin. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's absolutely obscene to try and conceptualize just how much exposure this company has gained in just 2020 alone. Year to date, he has spent $1.125 billion on Bitcoin, which it now has a market fair value of 1.596 billion. Absolutely absurd gain on that. And even more interesting is that MicroStrategy has a cumulative average price just shy of $16,000. So MicroStrategy sitting very pretty on their lungs. Looks like uh, they bought the dip back in March. They're still buying the dip, and they are playing the absolute textbook game of stack and sats, a level that it's hard to even fathom. It's hard to do anything but just admire 
how much confidence, how yeah. much like just bullishness, how much confluence, and basically how much balls Michael Saylor has. It is obscene. He is all in on Bitcoin, not only himself, but his company and micro strategy. Yeah, as you say, confidence. If I had to describe him in one word, it would be straight confidence. Like this is conviction. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you can't have any more. I guess it's like not not really like self confidence, but like he believes in Bitcoin and he thinks that his decision is so correct that this one black and white decision will either absolutely destroy his life or it'll basically make it make him one of the richest people to live on this planet at a certain point if he's continuing to do what he does the game of accumulation he is obviously um a very intelligent person manages a large fund but you know capital will flow to him if he's being smart with dollar cost i guess not really dollar cost averaging but if he's smart with buying the dip knowing strategically when to really load up on sats and when to let them kind of run it and not jump in the, the things he's been doing is pretty intelligent and, and, and very smart so if he continues this capital will be flowing to him because he's an expert in his field so at the end of the day if he's going to be continuing to put up these numbers that he has you know basically sixteen thousand dollar average bitcoin price obviously not the best but at bitcoin being twenty two thousand dollars with the amount of assets that he has under management, you can kind of really simply have a ballpark estimation of how much money he's made uh, in profit uh, just through appreciation of this asset. So I think it's going to continue in terms of his, his success overall. Um, and I do really think that he's going to be thanking himself way later down the line. And the decisions that people are making right now at the end of 2020 will be impacting like not generations but decades in my opinion it could be generations if you play it right it 100 could be but um it's really good to see people like mr sailor sailor have the same level of conviction and confidence as uh, nathan and i do in the uh, perspective that cryptocurrencies and blockchain will make a massive impact on the world yeah 100 it we're not trying to toot our own horn here but we're really seeing this overall ideology that the dollar is getting weaker, crypto is the solution. We, we sounded like lunatics for the last two years talking about this kind of stuff, but we're really seeing it all synthesize, really come to fruition. And it's nothing but a nice feeling from our perspective to see these big names get involved, throw big cash around. There's no better feeling than being correct. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we're vain for saying that, but... We're sitting pretty. We got our crypto positions. Hopefully we don't get our head beaten beaten in with a wrench in order to get our ledger taken. Who knows what 2021 has in store for us. And yeah, so on that bombshell, I think that is a good place to end the episode. Thanks for tuning in on the episode for the 21st of December. We truly hope you have been enjoying these daily podcasts for the day of December. And I'll pass it on over to Keith to wrap it all up. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, like Nathan said, for tuning in to the 34th, 34th podcast. We really, truly enjoy and and really um, have fun making these, to be completely honest. Like, we always talk about it. Uh, you know, A, we just enjoy learning more about the crypto market in terms of fundamentals. And B, it's great to keep updated and to kind of express how we view the markets, because obviously with news stories, there's... 
there's gonna be some level of bias so uh, we're trying to make it as unbiased as possible so then you guys and girls are able to just stay updated be aware and know what's happening in the space um, if you enjoy them, please give it a thumbs up. That definitely helps us out. And if you've been enjoying them for the while, as well as if you've been enjoying the technical analysis videos on our YouTube channel, please subscribe there because we will be coming out with more videos um, soon to come. So I want to end it off there. Thank you very much for tuning in. Until next time, have a good one, traders.